What? What are you saying? You know when I've knocked you out? I'll fucking knock you out as well. Dickhead. You fucking gobshite. I'll fucking batter you. Come on then, love it. What are you saying? What are you saying? You want to have it outside the ring? I hope you're ready. What? I hope you're ready for that. All things being equal, that may may well come into it, but I'm at a completely different level from Cash Alley. I'm at a different, completely different breed. Completely different breed. Mate, you're going to get fucking battered. I'm telling you. You know what I'm Look, we could argue all day. We could argue all day, but look. So welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where Sky Sports are really looking to do something in boxing. And I know we we look at the cards now and we're like, oh God, what is this? What is this? And, you know, we've had the the kind of the turbulence around Eubank Jr. versus Liam Williams. But if we just pause for a second, you know, what did we expect? Like we're we're living in an era now where the people we look to as the money guys in the sport, the guys that bring the, the eyes to the screens, that bring the money to the arenas, they're all over 30. Warrington's got to be 30 plus, Dillian's 30 plus, AJ's 30 plus, Fury's 30 plus, uh, Spider 30 plus, Dan Aziz 30 plus. I start going down the list. Even Charlie Edwards has got to be coming up to 30 at some point. And Jose Burton, what, 30 plus, Callum Johnson 30 plus, Callum Smith 30 plus. And so what we don't have is we don't have those guys aged between 22 and 25 who were betting the house on. And having spoken to some of the guys involved in Sky and Boxer, the aim is to capture those guys. And it's understanding that there's going to be an incubation period. It may be 18 months, two years, before those guys are main, main event stars, Right. So you look at someone like Richard Riakpour, he's not far off. Mikel Lowell, not far off fighting for the British, fighting for the world. They're, they're, that's their 18 to 24 month plan. But by that point, those guys are the wrong side of 30. So the question Sky and Boxer have is very simple. Who are the guys who are going to get to 27, 28 at the peak of their powers and deliver us pay-per-view quality fights on Sky? That's all they're interested in. And they've realised it's too expensive to try and poach anyone. So it makes perfect sense to, to get them before they're big. So what you're seeing now in boxing, and like there were, there were hints of it across the, the, you know, the people I met yesterday. And I'll touch on that in a second. But what you're seeing now essentially is a beauty parade where managers, trainers, pr- other promoters are presenting their best young talent to Sky and saying, you need to sign this guy or you need to get behind this guy or keep an eye out for this kid, right? And so Sky have to do their due diligence because we're all going to say we've got the greatest things since sliced bread. And so I think what Sky are trying to do is work out who are the people whose opinion we can trust. Would I like to be one of those people? Maybe. But they need, they need a, like an advisory panel that can tell them, look, the hype is good, but here are the outstanding questions and, and so on and so forth. But don't question Sky's commitment. I think what they realized was after Eddie, there had to just be like a, a reboot. And what we're seeing now is that reboot. So the, the cards aren't going to be amazing, 
But so long as the fights are competitive, it's a start. And then you just kind of hope that a rising tide floats all boats. So if you look at, you know, the main events for tonight on the on the boxer show, Dan Aziz versus Hosea Burton. What's the average age between those two? 30? 31? Richard Riakpour versus Duradola. Now, if it's stated ages, the average age, that's over 31 as well. And, you know, Tasha Jonas is over 30. So these are guys who we love to watch, and we've seen them over a number of years. But who's coming through next? So when Natasha Jonas decides to eventually hang him up and, you know, become the, the media star we know she deserves to be, is it going to be Hannah Robinson that follows through? Is it going to be Ellie Scottney that follows through? Will it be the Azim brothers that follow through? So all of these guys have an opportunity to step up now because Sky is saying, we will give you the platform. I was with Jermaine Brown this morning and Adam Martin, and that's what we were talking about. Like, this is the platform now. You keep I mean, entertaining fights, decisive wins, keep rising up that ladder, keep rising up the, the running order, and Sky will back you. That's the message back from Sky. So when fans wonder what's going on, the message back from Sky, from on high as well, I can't snitch on the names that told me. If you're young and you're talented, we're going to give you the platform. What you do with that is up to you. But we're not going to wait around for you to take this seriously. I think it was the right message. And so I'm more excited about the Sky product. Now people say I'm sipping the Kool-Aid. Not necessarily. Because I looked at that DAZN show and you had Demetrius Andre versus Jason Quigley. A fight that really doesn't make sense considering how good people say Demetrius Andre it is. The fact that the best fight they can make is Jason Quigley considering Golovkin's on the same roster probably points to the struggles that DAZN are having themselves. So now when you start looking across the, the platforms are Sky really that far behind everyone? I don't think they are. They're definitely behind PBC and Top Rank, 100%, but they're not that far behind like a DAZN because DAZN's going backwards quickly. And it's being kept afloat by Oscar De La Hoya, paradoxically, because Oscar's got, what, Virgil? And he's got Jaime Mungir, both guys that can do numbers. Both, both guys with a lot of upside. You know, they haven't hit their peak yet. And Eddie hasn't got that. I saw that he's doing a card and it's got um, it's got guys like Ammo Williams on there. So he's 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 rediscovered Ammo Williams' number. Now I don't want to claim credit for that, but he's rediscovered Ammo when he needs him. But it's not gonna be the same ammo, man. Like I think in boxing, once you fall off that cliff, the resurrection is hard, if not impossible. But but the big upside is if you're a young, talented fighter with that kind of superstar potential like a Ben Whitaker your price goes up Sky want you DAZN want you you know who else do we have I don't, like I said I don't believe Lauren Price or Karis Artingstall will turn pro um, I know Karis won Army Sportswoman of the Year so congratulations to her fantastic achievement you know f following the, the Olympic bronze medal it looks like they're committed to the amateur system at least till 2024 so Hearn's not going to be able to get that glory. So what do you do? You go with Fraser Clark? 
if Joe Joyce is on borrowed time, what's Fraser Clark on? Do you see what I mean? And I don't say that to say he's a bad fighter, but Fraser Clark is a, a heavyweight that doesn't get many knockouts. So it's going to be a long road for him and he hasn't got that much time. And hopefully his body holds up because you want to see him capitalise on, on those years at GB. I think I feel the same about Siobhan Clark. And there are a load of these other guys. If you notice, it's all, it's all gone quiet around Pat McCormack. It's all gone quiet around Luke McCormack. That's not to say that the deals haven't been done and that they're waiting to let them out. But if they had gold dust on them, you would be, you know, you'd be teasing that sort of stuff now. But both guys need building. And we're seeing, obviously, you know, some of these other guys are coming through now, like Callum French, Peter McGrell also coming through. So these young talents, and even the guys who are off the grid, like Jamie Shakiva, you know, some of these younger guys, like the heavyweights, their price goes up now because DeZone and Sky are bidding for the same guys. Frank's kind of made his bets, and Frank can sit out the next couple of years if he wants to, because he's got, what, Dennis McCann, Aidan Mohammed, he's got David Adelaide, uh, Sam Noakes, and others. God, that's a very Eddie Lamb-friendly list, but yeah. So he's got what he needs, and MTK have what they need. And it's just these new guys, the, 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 the fresh meat coming through with the buzz and the reputation, that's going to come at a premium price. So I think it's good. If you're a manager, yeah, do the beauty parade thing with Sky and DAZN. B play them off against each other if you have to and get that money because Sky are looking for talent and DAZN are definitely looking for talent. So one of the things I wanted to touch on, and I actually found it really fascinating, so I thought what I'd do, and you know, credit to Hilton for this. I've accumulated an insane amount of Hilton points just from years of work-based travel. I'd never really used them because any time I stay in the Hiltons with work and work pay for it. So why would I use my points to help them? So I thought, let me, let me be around the hotel on a fight weekend and see what it's all about. And I say this from the perspective of I've toured. So I've done the Dubai Sevens done the George Sevens, done, I mean, done a few Sevens tournaments in my life, done Amsterdam. And what tends to happen is everyone's in the same hotel, right? You've got a load of rugby, rugby lads and lasses in a hotel. And it goes off. Don't know how, don't know why, but it goes off. And it's a, it's a good experience. And you realize you had to be in that hotel to really appreciate the experience of the tournament. Boxing is completely different. Insanely regimented. So I think most of the guys were on the same floor. Let me not say which one it is in case I'm snitching. So all on the same floor, not much interaction. Obviously, it's just zeroing in. And I wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think sometimes you've got to take your mind off what's about to happen and it should just be treated as another day. But I was posing this question to a couple of the guys, you know, yesterday evening and over breakfast as well. And I, was, I, was, I did wonder, I said, is being in a hotel good for a fighter? Because I stayed over, right? And I slept, had to run back home to record for you guys. So I hope you appreciate the, the sacrifice. So when I woke up and I realized all I'd been taking in was just re regurgitated air, so to speak, recycled air. And I didn't feel great waking up. I felt, I felt hungover. And all I had was couple of chicken thigh skewers, some chips, some salad, uh, one of those naked smoothies. Nothing that would induce that kind of feeling. It was, I thought it was 
damn good meal, man. You don't think I was counting my calories. But I woke up feeling terrible. Not like I normally do. Like when I wake up at home, I feel good. My body's used to it. And so I was just there thinking, is staying in an unfamiliar environment more stressful? And I'm not against people staying in a hotel, but maybe what Sky need to do is give the guys a bit more time to get used to the hotel so that that feeling of trauma doesn't come on fight day. And maybe it comes on the, the Thursday or the Friday instead of the Saturday. Because you've got to give the body time to acclimatize to a new mattress. People don't realize stuff about, you know, how to really perform. You know, little things like, and I always say this to people I train, when you find a pair of gloves you like, buy five of them because your body gets used to that. And if you change your make of glove, if you change your model of glove, if you change the balance of the glove, that can lead to hand injuries. Same thing with your boxing boots. As soon as you find a pair you like, buy five or ten of them. Right? Reduces ankle injuries because your body's used to it. It calibrates based on that. And anything that deviates from that causes problems long term. And I think it's the same with hotels. Like There was a point where I was used to the Hilton bed. But now I'm not because I've got a Simba at home. I've got a Simba mattress at home. And I'm like, oh, this is really good. And then you go to the Hilton and you're like, you guys haven't replaced these beds for about four years. It doesn't feel that great. Sheets in the duvet don't feel that great. The pillows aren't amazing. Because at home, you, you look, I've got, what have I got at home? Got a Simba mattress. Got the 600 thread count sheets, or maybe 700 thread count sheets. Same with the duvet. Um, got the Otty pillows. So all hypoallergenic, all perfectly set up for me to sleep well. And my body's used to that. So moving into a different environment wasn't comfortable. And I, and I did wonder, does that actually affect you on fight night? Do all those small things affect you? The fact that the breakfast is alien. I don't know the answer to that, but I think that's a good question to talk to some of these supposed gurus. But I've really enjoyed the hotel experience. So I got to spend time with Clifton Mitchell, probably about two, two and a half hours of Clifton Mitchell. And there, there are moments in boxing that, that kind of where I feel, wow, this has been like a semester at boxing university. One of them was Don Charles in about 2014. Uh, and to an extent, being around David Hay 2016 felt the same way. Being around Shane, that, that whole group actually felt like that as well. And then being around Clifton Mitchell, wow. Um, wow if ever you get time to pick Clifton Mitchell's brain do it like there's a man who who should be saluted by any boxing fan be saluted because there's not an element of boxing he doesn't know there's not an element of boxing he hasn't experienced but also remember this he's a big man physically but a skillful man but also a man that knows how to do damage. And, you know, just the conversation we were able to have, it, it forced me to think at a higher level. And I was just, I'm still blown away by the experience. So big kudos to Clifton Mitchell, One Nation, that whole, that whole, that whole group, man. They, Sandy Ryan's in damn good hands. That's all I can say. Sandy Ryan is in the best possible hands. I know she's been elsewhere and it didn't produce the same results. But with Clifton Mitchell, man, she's, she's set up for success. And, you know, I can understand people saying, you know, what's all the fuss about this Clifton Mitchell? And, and they'll go on box record, they'll go, 
I can't remember his record off the top of my head. Maybe it's what, 18 and 2? And I was like, ah, he's only 18 and 2. But there's a story behind that. And also, you have to remember, he boxed for a European title at a time when it was really hard to get European title shots. And they were really respected. Right, now it's like a, it's a stepping stone belt. It's like the Commonwealth. It's a bit of a stepping stone belt. But back then, it meant something. So to be at that level shows that he could do something. And then, listen, the guy had successes in the ABAs as well. You know, he was around Naz and Johnny at the Ingle Gym. Like, he... You don't get those anecdotes. You don't get that wisdom from many people in this country. So if you're really trying to learn about this game, Clifton Mitchell's the guy you hit up. One of the things I really respect about him is that thing, like... I meet some trainers and they get too scientific and they talk to me about metabolic-based training and this stuff's bullshit in boxing. It doesn't help and it doesn't work. That's what I love about Clif Clifton. They strip all the science out of it. Fitness, heart, decision-making. If you can get those three things in a fighter, they'll go all the way. You know, there are other people in boxing that will talk about this. It's got to be scientific-based and we do this and we do that. I don't know, man. You're there looking at, well, we've got to look at what the blood's like this morning. If if we feel that the, the liver enzymes are too high, maybe we shouldn't train this. Or, you know, like, you some, and this is the problem. Now, I'm, I'm not going to air any trainers out today. I'm in a good mood. But listen, one of them's going to get tebited at, at some point. If I don't get my, my tribute, my respect suit, one of them's going to get that Rob Tebbit treatment. But let me. Let me explain it this way. If you're looking at these scientific methods, trying to find 1% here, 1% there, but your fight is not that fit, number one, number two, your fight doesn't really want to fight, then, like, really, the, the 30 and 40% over here is getting ignored because you're looking at the 1% and 2% on the other side. And sometimes you just have to simplify boxing. And boxing is this. Before you can do anything, you need to be fit enough to last the course. And a lot of people aren't. A lot of people, especially the younger fighters, aren't because they don't run around as kids. They don't have the running in their legs. It's something I've moaned about for years. They don't make great decisions because a lot of these guys are being trained by people experimenting on them. One of the things you will notice, now, now go back in the archives and look. Fighters who aren't known for taking people's heads off that become trainers and trainers who don't know how to take someone's head off will generally produce fighters that are safety first because they don't understand how to do it. If you've never had to hurt another human being before, if you've never had to set up a punch that you want to throw, you're not going to be able to teach that. Someone else in your team might be able to, you won't be able to. And you won't even think to teach it. So you won't think to say, well, actually, I don't mind taking that first jab you throw so I can land this backhand and left hook. Or you're going to think about, let me clown you a bit so you get angry and you start trying to take my head off. All of these things come from time in the trenches. And we all have to own up to our limitations. And a lot of guys are trusting their careers to people who can't deliver that. And they'll talk about how scientific and analytical they've been. But at that top level, 
so much of a muchness. So the question is, can you go after someone, impose yourself and hurt them? And a lot of times you've got at your trainer's mindset becomes your fighter's mindset. I don't, don't at me on that point. If your guy, if your trainer doesn't have that thing in them where they want to rip someone's head off, you're not going to get that. Now, they may appear friendly in the media, this, that, and the third, and that's all well and good. You're, you're supposed to. But there comes a point where you're like, I'm going to light this, this, this guy up. I mean, you're annoying me now. You're, you're about to get those, I mean, those, real, those real knuckle sandwiches. And so when you look at some of these trainers that are coming through, I don't think they have that. And people are trusting their careers with these guys. And that's one of the reasons why you're, you're not getting the quality fighters coming through. And it comes down to knowledge transfer. You know, you know, I look at some of these trainers, I'm like, but who did you come up under? Where did you get your knowledge and wisdom from? Uh, just went on YouTube. Uh. And that's why I respect Ben Davidson, because if you look at Ben Davidson, he goes to people and he asks questions and he gets knowledge and he assimilates it. That's why he's going to run past a lot of these trainers soon because he already accepts that he doesn't know everything. But he's trying to get to a point where he does. And he's going about it the right way, so kudos to him. But no, it's fantastic meeting a lot of the sky and the boxer people yesterday. Like, you know, it was nice to know them. Hopefully it was nice for them to know me. And nah, before anyone asks, no, I don't know if there are any opportunities for me at Sky. Probably not, you know. I'm... I'm not one that can be controlled. But it's always nice to kind of just be around people and talk boxing and soak in knowledge because that's what I love. Genuinely, that's when I get most excited. Um, so I'm still trying to process a lot of what I took in yesterday, but I, I just give thanks for those opportunities. And, you know, yesterday was an emotional day for, for a lot of us because it was the 10th anniversary of the passing of Mick Carney, which, which hit us hard. I can still remember that being with my mates that Saturday night and we got the phone call that he passed and yeah like I don't even know how you explain it because I guess I, I lived with it because 2011 was one of the few years where I didn't leave the country most of the time I'm away with work and 2011 was that, that year where I could just stay and I could see Mick every week and you could kind of see that at first you thought he was just getting old because it's one of these weird things. I'd always see Mick on my way to work because he'd be driving up to Fitzroy Lodge and I'd be going up to jump on the 188, the 168 or the 1. So I'd normally see Mick around the same time, uh, about three minutes, four minutes past eight in the morning. And then there'd be days where I wouldn't see Mick in the morning. And this is probably like towards the summer. And I'd, just, I'd, I'd pull him up because... If he didn't see me, he'd assume I was late. And if I didn't see him, I'd assume he was late. So I was like, Mick, I haven't seen you for a while. What's been going on? And he'd always be like, nah, don't worry about it, Tell, don't worry. And then one day it came out that he was sick. And you know the crazy thing about that? Everyone up their levels. I remember you'd be in that gym when Mick was sick in that period where he was. Everyone trained harder than they'd ever trained before. If you could only do 35 push-ups, you were doing 50. You didn't miss any runs outside the gym. No, no one was cutting any corners. It was probably the best shape we were all in because 
you kind of knew that even if it wasn't that year, man, we were into the final lap with Mick and you wanted Mick to, to have, I mean, be, to be proud and credit to everyone who kind of just the, the internal leadership that everyone had to say, I need to up my standards and the, the way everyone came together. I remember there were times when Mick would just ask me to lock up because, I mean, he had to go home and stuff and it was all harrowing because I'd seen that with my own dad and that year was tough. And I know a lot of people talk about the relationship they had with Mick and that's cool. I'm not here to question anyone's relationship. But being around him in those final few months where he'd open up a bit more and talk about some of the things that, you know, maybe he hadn't said before and you just listen. And I remember one of the things he said to me was, the sport will never give you back what you give it. And so he said, don't sacrifice birthdays and don't sacrifice this, that and the other for the sport because what comes back isn't worth it. Because I remember I was talking to him about, yeah, I'll become a trainer. He was just like, don't, don't. He's like, look, you've got far more interest in your life than, than boxing. Don't let it suck you in. And I always miss Mick because these are the times you wish, just like I wish my dad was here to see all the things I've been able to do. And just to, you know, people who have been with you on that journey, because you know, when I first walked into the lodge, December 2003, I was a mess. And like through the love of the club, through everything that club gave to me, I fell in love with boxing, fell in love with myself, fell in love with life. And it's a shame he's not here to see it. And I'm not the only one. Big Chris Brown will feel the same way. Big Ozzy will feel the same way. Mark Rygate will feel the same way. Adam Martin will feel the same way. Look, Adam's got Jermaine on Sky. You know, Eddie. Eddie's basically got BT Sport locked down. Eddie Land, that is. And I know there are moments where those guys were like, I wish Mick could see this. I wish Mick could be at this show. Mick would probably still moan, to be honest with you. Doesn't keep his hands up. What's wrong with his jab? He'd probably still moan, but he'd be proud. And he'd say, look... Through these guys, the lodge lives on. In the amateurs, Mark Rygate's still at the lodge. Simon Rose at Islington. Linton's still at the lodge. I mean, we're, we're everywhere. Yilmaz up at Hackney Boxing Academy. You know, Roy Connor up at Roosters. Uh, Mick Gilfoyle working with Adam Martin. We're, we're everywhere. Nigel Travis up at Mossside. And you get really emotional because you understand that when everyone thinks back to the times they had with Mick, all you want now is to say, Mick, look at, look at what we're all doing. And we've never sacrificed your standards or your values. Never. It's rare that someone can say, say that about a person. So, so yesterday was a tough day for all of us, I imagine. And I don't think there'd been any public utterance of it. I just want to reiterate how much he's missed, how much the sport misses him and guys like him because he wasn't the only one. You know, I know guys will say the same thing about Brendan Ingle and I've met Brendan and I got to speak to Brendan and it's the same thing. Dedicated themselves to the sport and dedicated themselves to teaching it the right way. But it's not all doom and gloom with situations like this because you know, I always look back at some of the fun times because just because of the way I was raised, I'd... Uh, 
freakish knowledge of jazz and Mick loved jazz. So when Mick would find a new CD, like, you know, he'd always just grab you by the wrist. Be like, yeah, tell, come and listen to this. And you'd like, have like a little listening party, you know what I mean, on my lunch break from work. I'm like, Mick, where are you digging these classics up from? And then I, I might say to Mick, actually, Mick, there's a really good book. Because he was really such a rounded guy. And maybe that's the reason I was allowed in the lodge, because I was a guy of many interests. And I'd, I'd read, I understood music, jazz, and all that sort of stuff. And Mick loved that. If you look at guys who have come out of the lodge, guys like Johnny Harris, who was in This Is England, Jack Rowan, who was in Peaky Blinders, and I think he's still doing stuff for the BBC. And there are loads of other guys who are in the creative industries. Because Mick, Mick was, he was more than just a boxing guy. And he always wanted the club to be more than just boxing. And that's why you, you had that cross-pollination of things where opportunities would open up. That's one of the reasons David Hay was able to model and get access to the media, just because of that cross-pollinated way that the boxing club worked. You know, it wasn't always, ah, you know, you can't come here because you'll never win an ABA title. If you were interesting in some way, let's say you're a world-class violinist, you're allowed in because Mick could talk to you about playing that violin. And I do. I, I, I miss him. Boxing hasn't been the same for me since he was gone because I don't have that reference point of, am I doing these things the right way? How could I be doing it better? But maybe it's on me to find that. I don't know. But rest in peace, Mick Carney. Gone but never, ever, ever forgotten. Right, I'm just to lighten up the mood quickly. So, this is going out Saturday afternoon. Listen to this and listen to it till the end. If anyone is at the Wembley Arena tonight, hit me up on Instagram or whatever, Twitter, doesn't matter. Hit me up if you want to grab a beer beforehand. I'm going to be about, yada, 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 yada. I'm just about, okay? I am just about. If you're in the arena, I'll be in section AA. Don't ask me what seat numbers. Guess it's 18 or something. But I'll be about, okay? Uh, hope to see some of you guys out and about. Let's support British boxing, as Porky would say. And actually, and on a side note, Porky looking much better, much stronger. Keep giving him your best wishes because the sport does need him, whatever people try and say. Uh, also want to say, there's a guy like, like finally met Carl Greaves in person for the first time last night. And, you know, like I keep saying, despite all the Twitter stuff that goes back and forth, there's no malice intended. So when you meet people in the flesh, it's like, ah, he's all right, he's all right. And, you know, that's what, that's what this is about. So to people, don't take the Twitter stuff too seriously. Now, if people bring the same Twitter energy to the outside world, you're all grown adults, deal with it. But don't take that stuff to heart, man. That's just people saying stuff to say it. Worry about the real world energy. And then I think that's probably a good point for me to sign out. If I see you this evening, fantastic. If I don't, have a great weekend, whatever you do. Take care, guys. Bye. You're charged up to fuck, you are. And all your little cronies will be like that. Well in cash, well in cash. You said this to me, you said that. Well in, lad. Hey. Look at the fucking state of them. Me, I don't drink. I'm not charged up. I don't drink and I don't touch drugs. You don't what? I don't drink and I don't touch drugs. Neither do I. You'll see. You'll get knocked out. Neither do I. Okay, okay. Guys, we've got a couple of other fights to talk about as well. Cash. I will, I will... 
just finish on this. What happens on Saturday night? How quickly does it happen? I know what you're going to say. Tell me what plays out in the ring on Saturday night. This is a big opportunity.